everybody. My name is Mary Ellen Barrett and welcome to the Stay at Home Schooling Moms podcast. I am here again with my dear friend, Ginny Sufrit, and I'd like to remind you to please like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you find your podcast, your favorite podcast. It helps us and it helps our sponsors. So Ginny, how are you doing today? I'm freezing. Just I want the world to know that it's cold out and I don't like it. Well, I'm in Kentucky where it's sunny and in the 50s, so I'm not complaining too much. I know it's (laughs) good why anybody would live in the northern states when they get older. I have no idea. Uh, But I've been kind of looking forward to this podcast because this is sort of a fun podcast today, or our topic, I should say, is fun. It's always fun to talk to you, but it's. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. I think I think (laughs) the topic is sort of what we were always trying to do when we started homeschooling. Yeah. Like really involving our kids in, in, in their subject matter and getting them excited about it and having them you know stand on their chairs and scream something out. <laughs> this is what we thought it was going to be. Oh, captain, my just, captain. Yeah, right. I, I One of my daughters actually did that. Um, but actually, what mostly happened was we had to open up the history books. And it's not the fault. You know, people are always looking for another history book. Can I find something that'll engage my kids more? Well, maybe you can. You know, some have better illustrations or maps or whatever. But the fact is that history books have to meet certain standards. Sure. Yeah. And they ha- so they have to tell you about each and every battle or whatever is important. And they, they can be kind of dry. But that doesn't mean that so- what some of us do is, well, we take our kids, you know, if we're learning about I don't know, uh, the, the, the move west, westward. You can take your kids to a Laura Ingalls Wilder home that's been restored. Or you can get to let the kids read the books, the little house books. I mean, that would be a nice way to go about that. But a lot of us do museums. That's a biggie. Yeah. <laughs> museums or aquariums or whatever. Uh, but however, that's not entirely necessary. And I think we can engage our kids in our home classrooms. We don't always have to go to a museum or a zoo or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's wonderful when you can do it. It's not always affordable. It's not always practical. Some people don't live close to things that are like I live nowhere near anything Laura Ingalls or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, we live near a bunch of Revolutionary War sites here on Long Island, um, the spy network kind of stuff. And, and it's all very interesting. But, you know, when you've done it several times, then you've done it. So right. how do you create this kind of thing in your house to really spark their interest in different subjects. And we do that with literature. We do it with literature and memorization, which has kind of fallen off in recent years, like it's drill and kill. And I love memorization. I do too. I I have memorized huge prayers because I don't always have a prayer book and I want to remember to say my prayers. And, you know, I'm exhausted at night. And, you know, and I I say the nunc dimittis. Now, Lord, you may dismiss your servant in peace. I had to memorize that because otherwise I have to get up and turn on a lamp and my husband complains. <laughs> so <laughs> I memorized funny. the blessed prayer. It wasn't that hard to memorize. I have to be honest with you. So memorization, I think, is great for kids. And in history, if they, we have such a beautiful history in our country. We sort of saw, as Mary Ellen and I are, are recording this, uh, you know, we sort of saw the baton or the, I should say, the gavel being passed from uh, one speaker of the house to another after a very that was chaotic process. It was, <laughs> it was painful to watch. But we Americans have a, a real strong history that no other country really has. I mean, if you go to Italy or France, you're going to find great artwork and loads of beautiful things. But we have this wonderful tradition in our nation that other countries do not have. If you look at other countries that give tremendous rights to their population, their constitutions or whatever, you know, stances one, 
is, well, we, the government, are going to give you these wonderful rights. That's not the American tradition. The American tradition is we were endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights. That's right in our Declaration of Independence. These rights belong to us, and the proper role of government is to protect our rights. Do your kids know that? It's a great thing for your kids to know. Yeah. The government doesn't give you the right to hold a gun. You have the right to, to, to have one. Yeah, and the government's supposed to protect your right to hold the gun or to, to right. speak your mind to speak or to, or to go practice to church. Your religion, to practice yes. your religion. And they and to, find that out by memorizing those parts of the Constitution. Or the Declaration the of Independence, Re- absolutely. Declaration. And, that, and I think the pro-life movement, and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life is the first thing they talk about. Right. Your yes. first right is the right to life, and government cannot take that right away from you unless it is an incredibly exceptional experience. Like, you know, capital punishment of a mass murderer type thing. Yeah. And even that is very questionable in our society. Right. Yes. So. So the memorization part can really embed this in your child's psyche, you know, forever. I mean, it just it just comes. And that was a big thing when I was a kid. And I know it was when you were a kid and my parents. And I I don't know where it fell off in, in brick and mortar schools. I mean, I memorized the multiplication tables. I had to memorize the preamble to the Constitution and the Gettysburg Address and parts of the Declaration of the Independence and Oh, um, Paul Revere's ride and all kinds of poetry yep. and stuff like that. And I, you know, when I was in grammar school in the 1970s and so, and people don't do it anymore. And sometimes I think as homeschoolers, we had this idea that we would do this, but we get so bogged down in the the minutia of daily life that we forget that we should make time for these kinds of things. And it was always my vision of homeschooling. <laughs> we all this. had those visions. We had that vision. I've talked about this on this podcast <laughs> before. I had this vision of me in this velvet gown with everybody gathered around me and me reading and them and them listening ardently, you know, and, and maybe painting while they're listening to me or knitting or something like that. And that's just not what happens here every day. But with my older kids, we did a lot of memorization. And my my children were actually, all of my children were in a professional Shakespeare company. So my kids used to think in Shakespeare and they right. would insult each other in Shakespeare. And they would, we, I mean, we have a lot of Shakespeare memorized, but we also memorize things like the, the preamble to the Constitution and the Gettysburg Address. And, and the so, Baltimore Catechism. Obviously, there's not a there's not a single Catholic I know from my generation or your generation who can't tell you that a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. Yes, it's yeah. And and so we just this podcast is about encouraging that love of certain parts of literature, parts of history and, and creating that like love of learning this stuff and embedding those kinds of things in in your kids so that they can just they know it they just know it they can they can spout it off and it's it's so cool when they can do that and they and they start to love it too and then history becomes much more real to them when they can actually say the words that Lincoln said or when they right. can say the words that Washington said or that Jefferson wrote or that Kennedy said or you know anything pick your god like pick who you want them Martin Luther King's speech or like whoever it is that speaks to you or that you really want them to be passionate about make them memorize it you know make it part of your family's history that they've done this together it's really important it is and even little kids like um when my children were in primary grades and we would study the american history which is primarily what you study in those early grades because that's what's most real to the children and you talk about John Paul Jones. And what is, I have not yet begun to fight. Yes. <laughs> and my kids would like stand up on a chair. And say, I have not yet begun to fight. I felt like saying, have you begun to study yet? But it's, <laughs> right. I have, have you not begun yet. to clean your room? <laughs> yeah. 
but but kids, but they'll remember who John Paul Jones is because they'll remember I have not yet begun to fight. Yes. And they'll also remember or, or call to mind American courage in the fight or mm-hmm. in, in the sight of, of horrible odds against them. Yes. The American Revolution was a bunch of farmers who went up against the greatest military power in the world at that time, the British Empire. Right. So when John Paul Jones, I have not yet begun to fight. And then, of course, not that many years later, when we fought the second war with the British, the, the War of 1812, famous lines, don't give up the ship. Yep. Yep. Uh, my Brendan is just he's in that portion of his American history right now. And he's like, again with the British, and again with the British, again with the British. <laughs> Didn't they learn the first time? And I'm like, no, some people never learn. (laughs) But but the interesting thing, but we prevailed. We prevailed. We didn't give up the ship. And I think when you talk about that, they start to understand naval battles when, you know, that we weren't just, I think kids tend to think of war in terms of soldiers on fields fighting. Yeah. But there were loads of naval battles. And both of those two quotes were naval quotes. Yes. Um, Keeping it short again, when the kids are little, another famous one is Patrick Henry's, um, quote to uh, the House of Burgesses, the Virginia House of Burgesses, give me liberty or give me death. Right. Freedom was so important to our founding fathers, so important to them that they would rather die than live under British domination. Right. And many of them did. Many of our founding fathers did. The designers of the Declaration of Independence, as the kids get older and kind of look up what happened to them, wasn't pretty. None of it was good, really. They lost, the ones who lived, lost everything. They lost everything. Yeah. And uh, so not good. You know, and we can move up into more modern quotes, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a great one that Winston Churchill said was, the price of greatness is responsibility. And, you know, in this age of like the Kardashians and all, all these, I don't know, social media influencers, I don't even know what that is. Well, yes, people famous for being famous, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure why. They're pretty, so they're famous. Well, and yeah. they're pretty because goodness knows a lot of doctors making a lot of money. But, <laughs> but my thought is like, what are they giving to the world? Right. What are they giving to the world? And this idea of, okay, you're great. Everybody knows who you are. And there was just a, um, a meme I saw. I haven't investigated it, but it was some... African soccer player who makes millions and millions of dollars a year. And he was walking around with a self with an iPhone that had a crack in the screen because he doesn't use his money to get himself things. He uses his money to support people in his native country and to build up, build wells. The the response, you know, the price of greatness was responsibility. Now, I think Churchill was talking about responsibility leads to greatness. But I don't know if that's always the case in our modern society. No, it's probably not. I'm a huge fan of Winston Churchill. And I've read so much about him, and I just think he was one of the the people at that time who saved the world. Really, he right. saved the world from a hugely dark, soul sucking nightmare. Um, and he stood alone for a long time. He did. Um, and it's just a, he's a fascinating man. A, also, a, a very flawed man. man. One oh, of, hilariously one funny. One of his <laughs> one of his funniest quotes was, I believe, with Lady Astor when she said, "If you were my husband, sir, I'd kill my. Uh, what did he say? I'd I, kill you." Like, yeah, he said, I'd kill you. And he turned around and said, Madam, if you were if you were my, my wife, wife, I'd you know, I'd let you do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was he was very witty. Very he was, funny. Um, I just I think he was just and so many great quotes from him and great speeches, you know, his speech right. to Parliament. We will fight them at the beaches. We will fight right. them at the and it, it's just it's a brilliant speech to motivate anybody to stand up for themselves um, and to and to, not to give up. 
Yeah, to just and and to stand up for your country. It's an, I mean, it's not an American speech, but it's an enormously patriotic speech and, an, um, and enormously powerful. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, these when you expose your children to these kinds of words, these kinds of um, deeply moving words, you really are exposing them to such greatness and and. I believe that you are filling their heads with the kinds of things that the kind of um, things that you want them to go out and do and be, you know, we want we want our kids to be great. Yeah. Great people and great and, and great for their country and great for their society and great for God. And when you fill them with these words, that's what they're going to be. If you fill them with junk. You know, right. and Kardashian like junk. I hate to pick on people, but if you fill them with no, social media garbage, yeah, there's a lot of these. Like every so often, somebody will, and of course, I, I'm old, so what do I know about this stuff? But somebody will talk about that Lori Lachlan who had to go to jail actually because of the oh, whole college yes, thing. That lady, yeah. Well, her daughter, who apparently is a, an internet influencer, social media influencer, yeah, I think YouTube or something, yeah. And they had yeah. a picture of her, like. 16 years old or 17 years old and she was like done to the nine she obviously had a nose like everybody else's nose in california and like was doing the right look at the camera like she obviously practiced how you should look in front of a camera i'm thinking oh is that what we want for our kids is that what we want to be our kids to be influenced by so instead we want to really fill their thought their heads with great people who said great things and did great things and had high aspirations yeah so yeah. you know you know, uh, like the Patrick Henry, give me liberty or give me death. Well, that's a great one for little kids. They can stand up on a chair, give me liberty. But if you re- listen to the whole quote, or at least, you know, a much larger portion of it, is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the cost of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Wow. Oh, so powerful. Incredible. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And these were faithful men. These men believed in God, right? They believed. They believed in God. And interestingly enough, they're often portrayed in modern society as sort of atheists or deists who really didn't want to, uh, you know, they wanted to put a wall of separation between church and state. No, they did not. No. And and that's one way to fight that kind of belief that's happening now in this kind of revisionist um, history that's being taught in our in our schools now. Um, if you teach your children th- their actual words and and expose them to this, you will find that we are actually founded on Judeo-Christian principles in this country. And nobody will tell you that outside of your home. And it's yeah. important that they know that. It's important that they, you raise your children knowing that. I guess Abraham Lincoln at one point was uh, asked if you know he felt God was on the side of, of the Federals. And he said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's Side, for God is always right. Wow. Extra- amazing, right? <laughs> that a leader would say that and, and that believed that and probably prayed about the decisions he made. I mean, doesn't right. that teach you that he prayed about what he was doing? Do you, do you see anybody in our government right now doing that? But you want to raise the kind of kids who are going to pray about what they're doing. One of your kids might be the president who prays. Yeah. Or brings I mean, prayer back. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't yeah. it be amazing if some homeschool kid in 30, 40 years was was the president who prays? Well, if you listen I, to Carol Swain. Uh, oh, she's great. Yeah, she's, she's great. great. She's she's those that don't know her backstory. She was kind of born in a, a cabin in, in Virginia in a very rural area. They didn't go to school sometimes because they didn't have shoes. So they couldn't walk to school. And uh, she eventually got became a Ph.D. 
And, uh, you know, she's she's just absolutely fabulous. And she was, I saw her on TV. I didn't wasn't able to exactly quote her because I didn't write it down at the time. But she said, pretty soon, homeschoolers will be the only truly educated Americans. Wow. Wow. So maybe, maybe we have to take that to heart and say, well, if our kids are going to be the educated ones, what are we educating them to do? Are we educating them to ask not what your country can do for you, <laughs> but ask what you can do for your country? John right. F. Kennedy's inaugural dress in 1960. Right. 61, I guess that would have been. And again, yeah. a, a flawed person, right? Oh, in many ways. Many ways. But a great quote, service to your country, service to your fellow man. These are great aspirations. These are great things for your kids to try to achieve, to aspire to. And that's what we're doing here is that we are trying to raise the future leaders of America. And I think that's what Ginny and I are trying to kind of impart to you guys is that we want you to be motivated and encouraged and inspired, even on your hard days when you, you just feel like this is too much. If you're teaching your kids these kinds of things, if all you do some days is really if you if they memorized, you know, give me liberty or give me death or something like that. And, and you feel like everything else went wrong, but your little one memorized that. Well, you did something great there because they're aspiring to something they know something yeah. and that's that's really important and and you're gonna have days where maybe that's all they did that's all you accomplished that day but that is good stuff that is really good stuff it's so great just take stuff. that to heart and you know i wish i had it in front of me but there's actually a quote in the uh seton's space science for young catholics it's their sixth grade book mm -hmm. and kennedy was talking about man's race for the moon which was going on during his administration and he said we're doing it not because it is easy, but because it is hard. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's a good one for everybody to know, right? Especially yeah. when they're in high school and they're studying and they're like, you know, why do I have to learn this? Because it's hard. Because hard things happen in life. And and, and, and because hard things lead to great accomplishments. Right. Yes. Yes. That's exactly Taking the it. easy way does nothing. Working hard. Leads to, so I, that's a great quote. I'd have to look that up. We'll put it sometime. Uh, maybe I'll put it in the program notes. Yeah. Um when man made it to the moon, though, in 1969, I remember watching it on TV, and Neil Armstrong, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And it was. Yeah. Do you it know was. that that is, somebody once asked on Facebook, what is your first memory? It was one of these, like, pleasant, you know, everybody shared something on Facebook. Um, and my first memory, I was three years old, um, and now everybody knows exactly how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I wish but I was three years old and I could say that. Sort of. <laughs> We had a black and white TV and I remember standing in front of it and watching the moon landing. Yeah. I, that's and my I, first memory. And that some lady, some very nice lady was like, wow, I had no idea you were that old. That old. <laughs> well, cause you look so much younger. Oh, you're sweet. <laughs> but, you. but even that, if we were, you know, talk to your kids about stuff like that, like where was I when I saw the moon landing? And I'll tell you, you might've been standing there watching it. It was really a pretty horrible thing to see in a sense because it was all it was they were taping it on the moon or you know recording it on the moon. so it was very shadowy and you know there was lots of snow on the tv uh -huh. and tvs were black and white in those days anyhow and you were sticking a piece of aluminum foil on your on your antenna so that, <laughs> so that it would work better uh you know but when you think of it, people that were watching on a tv with an antenna with aluminum foil on it got to see a man land on the moon I know, I know that, that we take that kind of stuff for granted nowadays and our kids do, you know, because you can see you can go on the Internet and watch, a, you know, something on Mars because there's right. a camera there. But at that time, that was just so extraordinary. And to hear his voice, 
Like that was unheard of. That was something you'd see on Star Trek or something. It right. wasn't real. Which you knew was false, which, <laughs> which you knew was a nice story. Gene Roddenberry wrote nice stories. So yeah, th these types of things to expose your kids to this and let them realize too where we have gone and where we went from no TVs in maybe 1950. Nobody had a TV in their house in 1950. And 20 years later in 1969, people, they all had TVs in their house and they were all watching a man land on the moon. What an extraordinary, and that's what brings science alive in that case, or history. Right. Um, we mentioned, you mentioned Dr. King before. Uh, I love his, you know, I, my, I look, I dream of a day when my children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. It's a beautiful, beautiful quote. It is. But the, another one that speaks to all of us, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience but where he stands in times of challenge and controversy. I wish more people took that to heart. <laughs> like, and uh, he was just such a dignified person. You know, um, I have my kids watch on Martin Luther King Day. I have them watch his I Dream of uh, 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 the Dream speech. Right. I just fumble over that. But, right, you know, I have, I have a dream speech. I have a dream. Um, and I just I always think he just approached things. He was very um, charismatic and all that. But he he was just such a dignified person. And he had so many good quotes. And I wish more people um, took things that he said to heart like that. I, I, I just think. And he he raised a good daughter who also speaks beautifully, Alveda uh, King. Alveda King, I, yeah. Yes, I just I just I've heard think of. she's wonderful. Um, so I, I I I don't know. I just I I just I really admire him, and and I think we we gloss over some of his really good content of character kind of stuff nowadays, and he just he gets glossed over a little bit too much, and and there was too much controversy about. Well, sadly, things. I think what happens is when we turn somebody into a national holiday. Yeah. It becomes an excuse not to go to school or to work and yeah, and to get white sales and stuff yeah, well, yeah, right. Instead of actually over it. studying <laughs> Dr. Martin Luther King and his body of writing and his speeches, which is an extraordinary study, yeah, and and talks about not only a historical time in, in our country, you know, in the 1960s in the civil rights movement, but also he speaks to the character of mankind. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or Asian or whatever you could be from Mars. What Dr. King spoke about speaks to, to the character of mankind. It speaks to character and integrity. Yes. Something that is not a whole lot of in this world. Uh, sometimes, too, I think uh, these historical quotes are used in other contexts that um, it's helpful if our kids know them. So you're hearing these days when they talk, there was a lot of complaints like, you know, people can't afford to gas up their cars at $6 a gallon. Yeah. And the government would re would respond with, well, we all have to go to, you know, electric vehicles, which cost $60,000 or $70,000 each, and there are no charging stations, that sort of stuff. And uh, you heard several reporters say it was sort of like, let them eat cake. Yeah, but nobody knows exactly what that means, right? Like what the context of that. Well, I don't know. I don't know that our kids would. And of course, the context of it is right before the French Revolution. And apparently she didn't say it, but she's widely believed to have said it. Somebody said to Marie Antoinette, the queen of France, that uh, the poor have no bread to eat. And she says, well, let them eat cake. So the, the context of it, of course, is that we have no money to fill, put gas in our tanks. We'll go buy an EV for $70,000. Right. You know, so uh, that type of thing. I think if your kids hear something about the day of infamy, it's a good thing to know that which what the day of infamy is. It's not the landing at Normandy. Right. Yeah, it's, it's uh... not the Battle of Gettysburg. 
It's it's the uh, the, the bombing bombing of Pearl, of Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Yes. Yeah, very so, few people. Have you ever seen those? Um, when something like um a news reporter fox news does it every so often i think cnn too they'll send a reporter out on the street and they'll ask like your typical college mm-hmm. student or 20 year old like you know what is pearl harbor or what is you know who fought in the civil war or like stuff like that who did right. they, who did the americans fight in the revolutionary war and they say the silliest things nobody knows anything and it just breaks your heart and Jay then Leno think, used to do that he called yes. the jaywalking he'd go around and ask people questions <laughs> they really and who was it? I think um, Jesse Waters started that way on Fox. He'd go on college campuses. I know. And you just, it breaks your heart. And you think these people vote. <laughs> like, holy cow. Well, they got out of, <laughs> they got out of high school in the United States. Right. What does that say? Right. And so y- your children will not have that problem. If Jesse Waters approaches them or, you know, his minions, they will know who fought in the Civil War. And yeah. Like, who fought, you know, in, in, in the Revolutionary War. Um, before yeah, so history, we, historic, oh yeah, correct. Oh, I'm sorry, but I, I was just thinking before we move on a little bit more, we do have to stop and just thank our sponsors. So if let's just pause for a moment before we get too much more into this. Hang on one second. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Seton Home Study School. Seton Home Study School is a nationally accredited, faithfully Catholic, private distant learning school that serves students from pre-K through 12th grade. There are currently 17,000 homeschool students enrolled in Seton Home Study School and many, many more who use their books and materials, including several small Catholic schools. Since 1983, Seton Home Study School has faithfully served the homeschool community in the United States and all over the world. Please check out their website, Seton Home org for more information. And thank you, Seton Home Study School, for sponsoring the podcast, The Stay-at-Home Schooling Moms. Welcome back. As important as uh, the historical quotes are, I, uh, I mean, I think quotes from literature, which may not be real, sometimes they're based on books written about real occurrences, uh, they give your kids such a richness they really and truly do. Although I have to tell you, recently my grandson is in high school and he's reading A Tale of Two Cities, rolling his eyes. He was not <laughs> happy about it. And I said, Eddie, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And he looks at me and says, no, grandma, it's just the worst of times. <laughs> it's That's not for everybody. It's it's right. just not for everybody. Um, It's not one of my favorites either, but I I you know, I can appreciate it now. I've read it. I read it as an adult. I read it in high school. I didn't love it in high school. I, I like it better now. Um, I liked it better now too. I thought the end when he's standing on the line for the guillotine hmm. and he's talking to the, I think she was a seamstress. Yes. And he was just so beautiful and so yes. brave in the face of death, dying for somebody he loved. I mean, but you had to get past Charles Dickens. Lots and lots and lots of words. Yes. And that's it. We're not used to that anymore. We're used to being, a you know, a 300 page book that, you know, is very written in a very easy vernacular and it's very quick reading and that kind of thing. And I'm a fast reader and Dickens, you know, it's it's a plot. You know, you have to really kind of get through it. Um, we're just not used to that now. But to be a well-rounded, well-educated person. Shakespeare, Dickens, uh, a certain amount of poetry, uh, the familiarity with like the canon of Western civilization, you are then a well-educated person and and you're a a well-rounded person. And I think that's important. I really do think that's important. 
I have a daughter who graduated from one of the Newman Guy great books programs. And so she has a, a degree, a, a liberal arts degree, and it's really a combination of literature and theology and philosophy. And um, we had relatives who were like, oh, what are you going to do with that? Well, she's incredibly successful at what she does in, in, in insurance, believe it or yeah. not. <laughs> it's, a, it's not like she sells you insurance. It's some kind of corporate thing. I honestly have right. no idea what she does. Um, but she does. But apparently she's doing it very well. She does it very well. Yeah, she keeps getting promoted. She's passed all kinds of insurance type exams. Um, she's very technical um, and she does very well. And they were very impressed when they interviewed her with her degree, you know, that she read these kinds of books and that she has uh, these kinds of degrees. And they were they had never seen anybody like that before. Right. Um, so it is impressive that you can you, you're well read and you're well rounded like that. Um, and I think homeschoolers have a unique ability and, and time to do that kind of thing. They do. Uh, and some of it, the, what was it called, a monomic, uh, where we learned in school in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean mm -hmm. blue. You know when Columbus sailed. Yeah, forever. Every one of us did. So it, it helps us with it. It helps us with history. Um, you said you had to memorize it when you were a kid in school. It was the 18th of April in 75. Yes. Hardly a man is now alive who remembers that famous day and year and the midnight ride of Paul Revere. That's a long poem, too. <laughs> it is a long poem. I only memorized that part. That's the part I didn't read. I just I, I have that one in memory. Uh, the other, I'm When you write, though, I can remember in uh, English class in public school, by the way, in seventh grade. I had to memorize the thousands of injuries of Fortunato I had borne as best I could. But when he ventured upon insult, I vowed revenge. That's the Cask of Montalato by Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, wow. Yes, I had to memorize is. the first whole paragraph of that. And he made us get up and, and say it in front of the class. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we had to do a lot of memor memorization. And let me tell you, I was in seventh grade a really long time ago. And I... <laughs> And I still remember it. Certain things really do stick with you. And it's funny. Um, I watched a lot of Schoolhouse Rock. You know, you remember sure. that, right? And because and, it was very big in the 70s. And, and back then there was only cartoons on Saturday mornings for a few hours. And in the in between in the commercials was Schoolhouse Rock. And they had the um, the preamble to the Constitution was one of the little songs. Right. And then I, when I took my um, my regents exam, in my junior year of high school, my history regents in New York state, you take these tests called regents exams. They have nothing to do with anything and they're kind of silly, but you have to take them to get out of high school. And my, I went to a private all girls Catholic high school and they use their regents exams as like pretests for our, our final exams. You could, you could actually, um, pass the regents, but if you failed your final, you weren't getting out of high school. They, they just thought they were silly. But anyway, so we, for the state regents exam, you had to write out the preamble to the constitution. The constitution. That was yeah, you did. And so they every girl in the in the class was singing the preamble to the Constitution because it was the silly school. I could still sing it. And I taught it to my kids that way. Now, the first line of it in the song is wrong. <laughs> but, so you had to make that one little correction in there. But I can still sing it at, you know, the ancient age that I am. And so can my kids. It, it These things stick with you. And that Schoolhouse Rock was actually cute for a couple of things. Like they taught you a few things that stuck with you, but it's just really, you know, songs do stick with you. Um, and it's a really good way to memorize things, you know, it is a great way to memorize things, you know, to set them to songs and stuff like that. And, and to memorize poetry that way. I, and I just, and I expose my kids to stuff like that too. 
Well, I think they're very helpful. And we kind of got away from them in, in institutional schools. But, you know, who hasn't, when, they ha- when they're when they thinking about their calendar coming up, said 30 days have September, April. Oh, June, I still I do that. that. <laughs> we all do that. We still all do, do that. that. <laughs> we all do it. Uh, some of it can be a little more inspiring, though, than that. Uh, a great, great poem is, uh, oh, Captain, my Captain, about the oh, death. Yes. Is that Walt Whitman? Walt Whitman. Yes, Walt Whitman. Yes. It was yes. Walt Whitman. Uh, oh, Captain, my Captain. And basically, it compares the death of Abraham Lincoln to a captain who's dead and his blood is on the deck. And it's just a heart-wrenching poem, really, if you read it. It's heart-wrenching. It's not that long. Kids can memorize that. One of my daughters memorized it and gave a... Gave a little, uh, you know, exhibition of her poetry in our in our classroom, our home classroom. But do we? We know Lincoln was shot. He was shot in Ford Theater. We know it was John Wilkes Booth. But do we realize the emotions that that evoked in the nation at the time? Mm. Yeah. And or is that, it just again a boring page in our history book? Right. So if you're if you're reading about Lincoln and the and the assassination, which might be hard for some say it's in fourth grade or seventh grade or whatever it is, it might be hard for a kid to connect to that because they don't have that experience, you know, of what a nation goes through when something like that happens. So you read that poem or you ask them to read it aloud. You read it aloud. You ask them to read it aloud. Maybe you listen to it. Um, There are YouTube videos where you can hear Walt Whitman's own voice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. How'd they find um, that? I I, that. But, but he, he lived on Long Island. There's the Walt Whitman Museum here on ah. Long Island, like really literally 20 minutes from my house. We've oh, been that's there, cool. And they have recordings of his voice. Um, so look for stuff like that. And it, it brings it alive to the kids and like, wow, what does this mean? Like, how extraordinary was this? Um, and it just makes it, 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 I don't know, it brings it alive to them. So they can put some context to it and, and they've learned some literature along with the history. And they've learned something about Walt Whitman. And it's it's just cool, right? And it yeah. rounds out the education. And it, it, it just makes them a little bit better educated. Yeah, my grandson, uh, his mom made him memorize in Flanders Field. And that's basically the dead soldiers. Flanders Field is, is a cemetery. It's a military mm-hmm. cemetery in World War I, where poppies grow. And they're, they're talking about, don't let our deaths be in vain. Right. And that was an incredibly brutal war. Oh, it was a horrible war. Like more than but half again, of the young men in Europe died in that war. I mean, think about that. It was an incredibly yeah. brutal war. But but again, kids kind of learn about it. They learn about the trenches and they, they don't. And so I think something like In Flanders Field can really bring it alive to kids. Um, you, you were talking about uh, your children had memorized lots of Shakespeare. Oh, tons of it. They performed in Shakespeare. It was like 14 plays. I think it was, four, they were in the, um, it, in the troop for 14 years, but they doubled up on some plays too. So it was probably 16, 18 different performances, different plays. Um, Midsummer Night's Dream, they were all in. Henry V, I think, was the only history play. But I mean, just tons of them. And they all did different parts. Um, Ryan to Brendan, they were all in. So all eight of them had different parts, leads right down to little fairies and different things. Um, yeah, and it, it was an incredible experience. And what it did was it trained them to memorize. Yeah. So, which is a skill. It's a skill to memorize. It's a skill. And, you know, it's interesting. Two of my daughters were what's called now synchronized skaters. In those days, it was precision ice skating. You can look at it online. It's incredible to see these kids on the ice. It's an Olympic uh, sport now. And they they skate to music and, and everybody has to be in unison and stuff. And 
the coach used to have them all write out exactly what move they had to make at what time. My kids never had to write it out because they were able to memorize it as they did it because they were used, they were homeschooled. They were used to memorization. And my one younger daughter who was in, she was in the little kids, whatever they called it, the little elves group. (laughs) That's not the Olympic sport, believe me. And uh, one of my kids was being baptized or something. So she was going to stay home. And the coach called me up almost in tears. She says, every kid on that team looks at your daughter, Claire, to see what she's going to do next. Oh, wow. (laughs) Because she had memorized the routine. Yeah. And several of my kids did really well in theater, in dance. I had others that were dance because it's, they could memorize the routine. It's a skill. And and that's what I think is sad about the fact that nobody memorizes in school anymore. They 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 it's a, it's a real useful life skill to be able to memorize something and memorize it fairly quickly. And um the Shakespeare did that for my kids. Now we put a lot into these productions. It was it was partly um obsessive homeschool moms. You know, we can be like that. Uh, we can really be like that, but it, it, the benefits were extraordinary. And we became kind of the, the company was called front loan players. And we became kind of known here on the, um, you know, East coast people would come from all over and people wanted to see it and people wanted to be in it. And and it was, it was wonderful. It was just the best experience. COVID kind of shut it all down and the kids were getting older and it was hard to, to, um, integrate new families into it because we we were obsessive and we did all kinds of crazy things and and worked way too hard we devoted the entire month of may to it we start in february and the kids had to show up at the first rehearsal with their parts memorized yeah um and people would say well how does like an eight-year-old memorize his part they just do they just do they just repetition do. constant the same way you mem- memorize yes. your multiplication tables or anything else dates right. in and history. People would say like how like little kids can't memorize these things and and it's completely not true. Little small children are great mimics. And I used to teach CCD years and years ago, and um, I I just small children are delightful. They really are. What was hard about that was parents. And I know a lot of coaches say the same thing. And what was difficult is like parents would say, oh, it's so difficult. Why why are you making them memorize the Hail Mary and the Our Father so they can receive their first Holy Communion? They're little kids. They can't memorize this. And that's just a matter of saying it with them every night. Like in two weeks, they'll know it. But this is a kid who like memorizes entire episodes of SpongeBob or, you know, Bluey or whatever the thing is they're watching these days. And and don't tell me he can't memorize. Like he can memorize, <laughs> just right. expose them to it. He just doesn't want to memorize this. And you don't right. want to say the prayers with him every And now. you don't want to, you don't want to put the effort in. And, and the way an eight-year-old memorizes his Shakespeare part is like for 20 minutes every day, I would have him run his lines with me. And that's how he memorized it. And, and in a month, he knew his lines. Yep. Like that's all it was, you know, it, and it was, it was so beneficial to them. They could think in Shakespeare, my kids, they insulted each other. They were calling each other clumps of earwax and <laughs> <laughs> boneheaded muddle, whatever. <laughs> it was funny. But, but Andrew, you can like, there's the uh, speech from Henry V, but oh, we in it shall Day. be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers for he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Yeah. Interestingly enough, in our own time, a series was made about the um, the invasion of Normandy, and that was called the Band of Brothers. Band of Brothers. It's so I do think my kids feel a little superior when they hear that sort of thing. Yes. Like, I know they, where that's from. It's not just a nice thing. You'd be shocked at how much of our um, modern vernacular comes from Shakespeare. An extraordinary amount. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing because the kids would take a play and they would say, oh, 
you know, I'm familiar with that. I know that. Right. And what was also fun would they they'd find out what the play was that we were doing that season and they start reading the play and they understood the play. People think it's so complicated. It's not. It's not. Once you get a little bit used to it, it's fine. And they would want they would gun for a part. Like they would, they would get the jokes and they would get the play and they would, I want to be this. I want to be that. I hope I get this part. I hope I get that part. So they, and these were not older kids. These were eight, nine, 10 year old kids. Like they started getting speaking parts as young as that. Right. So you just have to expose them to it. And I, I to it. And like, you're right. It gives them almost a feeling of superiority in a way. And I don't like superiority. That's a bad word. Well, Maybe but accomplishments. Yeah, and confidence. and confidence, and confidence that I can do this. Yes, I can I do this. I was in Henry V. Like people, people say, oh, well, say to them, well, how, I, I'm so impressed you can do this. You can do this. And they're like, yeah, all right. Yeah, well, it's not a big deal. <laughs> like, it just, it, like, it's just what we do. We're homeschoolers. Well, you know, we do interesting. this. I have two Chinese daughter-in-laws. And in the United States, if somebody, typically, if somebody goes up to the, the parents of the kid who made valedictorian and says, Oh, you know, your son has done so well. The parents say, thank you so much. You know, he's so smart, right? In China, if you go up to the parent of the valedictorian and say, wow, your son did so well, you must be so proud. They'll say, yes, he worked really hard. Yeah. Yes, he worked yes. really, really hard. Because it's on him. Yeah, and it's he on did him. work him. And yeah. he worked hard and he worked hard. So that's a value that we Americans might want to start embracing a little bit more. Um, before we get off quotes entirely, do you want to, you know, we this is a Catholic podcast. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we should talk about Catholic quotes maybe we should just, a little bit. Well, I think what we should do is have another podcast that's just Catholic quotes, you know, saints quotes and scripture quotes and stuff. So let's yes. put that in our file box and, and remember to do that in the future. Um, but there are some some really beautiful ones. Uh, Pope Benedict. Yes, wanna... we, we just lost Pope Benedict. Um, you know, may he rest in peace. And I, I firmly believe that he will be canonized at some point he was just very uh, dear to me um but he and my son my son kevin um big fan <laughs> and so i once bought him a t-shirt at one of our homeschooling conferences that uh, we spoke at and it said the world promises you comfort but you were not made for comfort you were made for greatness wow. you know isn't that amazing? wow yeah. and wow. Ke kevin wears his t-shirt with that quote on it and it's it's so true god didn't create you to be comfortable to sit on the couch and stare at netflix all the time right <laughs> and it's just such a great reminder um and you know jp2 his predecessor benedict's predecessor always said be not afraid right it was the first words of his pontificate right yeah. he walked out on that balcony and said be not afraid be not afraid do not be afraid yeah do it's words for these times any times really but these times be not afraid we we we're taken care of our, our salvation is taken care of it's um we could do a whole we should do a whole podcast on this we'll Let's do a whole, whole podcast that. talking about being not afraid though joan of arc i am not afraid i was made for this i know wow amazing that i was made for this peasant girl who couldn't even read right okay. Well, she I, I was made for this. Anytime they talk about like the Catholic Church holding back women, oh, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Baloney. The only woman <laughs> in the history of the world to be the commander of chief of the military forces of a major nation was a Catholic saint. And she did it when she was 19 years old. Right. Yeah. 
Yes. When she was 19 years old. And God picked her to do that. Don't tell me yeah. Catholics hold back women. The Catholic Church holds back women. <laughs> I hate when people say that. Nonsense. I do too. <laughs> it drives me crazy. So many, I think there's been so many remarkable... What we we could do that. Let's do that show on that too. We're yeah, coming up right. with all these podcast ideas. Tell us if you <laughs> like the idea. How about great contributions by Catholic women in in uh, history? Ah, yes. Tell yeah. Let us know on our Facebook page if you like that idea because I could go on and on and on. I could. I could too. <laughs> uh, just the final thing though before we uh, we got to close this thing up at some point. <laughs> you know, songs are poems. You know, set to music. And I always think of you know, Frère Jacques, which is, yes. are you sleeping? Are you sleeping, Brother John? Well, it sounds kind of just like a little thing, like Brother John is sleeping, he has to get up and ring the morning bells. But what that tells and what a lot of people may not realize is you didn't have a clock in your home in medieval Europe. <laughs> no. <laughs> you looked at the sun and if the sun was up, you knew it was time to get up and get to your work. And if the sun was going down, you knew that you couldn't do anything anyhow because there was no electricity in those days. You may as well go to bed. But the way you knew it was time to go to church or that it was time to say the Angelus would be another yes. thing is monasteries rang bells. Right. The prayer time, the time to go to work, the call to. Yeah. And that's what that the, these little songs that I learned as nursery rhymes and songs. Um, yeah, they had meaning like they meant right, it, was, it was more it was more than just some silly little uh, you know, are you sleeping, brother? John? No, it, it this talks about how they kept time in midi in medieval days in Europe. It's a really, really cool song. Um, another one, I'm just going to mention really briefly, because about, I don't know, last year, I had three of my young grandchildren with me. The oldest one was maybe 10. And it was three boys. And we're driving back from Kentucky, where I live, to Chicago, where they live. Six and a half hours, loads of fun in the car. And I didn't do what everybody does, which was hand them a tablet and let them, let them play video games. <laughs> you meanie. I, <laughs> I said, we are going to find music to listen to. That will be fun and we can talk about so one of them was um, Roger Miller wrote a play based on the adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Big River. Ah, that's was neat. It, it's great. And it was a Broadway show. It was a Broadway oh. show. And so we we listened to that. And we talked about Huckleberry Finn. Two of them read Huckleberry Finn when they got home. Which I'm I, right, was, well, I love that story. I'm not familiar with that. I'm writing that down. Big you River by, by Roger Miller. Um, but there's also one. And then we listened to a lot of silly songs. To kind of keep them laughing and joking. So one remember a boy, uh, a boy named Sue by Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, it's about a boy with a. It's just a funny song. I mean, it doesn't have any real meaning, right? But there's one that we listened to, and that was the Battle of New Orleans by Johnny Horton. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know the song. It's, it dates back to my youth. Yes, I do. But, yeah, you know, at 1814, we took a little, took a little trip. trip. <laughs> Along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty, mighty Mississippi. Mississippi. <laughs> but here's the interesting Ginny and Mary Ellen sing for you now. <laughs> and believe me, we might get canceled over this because my voice is so bad, I admit it. Um, but the interesting thing about that song, if you get your kids to listen to it, you can still find it like anything else online. It gives all really important facts about the Battle of New Orleans, that it was down the Mississippi River, that it was Colonel Jackson. At some point, they call him Old Hickory, which was the nickname for Colonel Jackson. They talk about the British coming and making a lot of noise in their red uniforms and banging their drums. But Colonel Jackson told them to stay behind the, head bale, the hay bales and not make a sound and shoot them when they got closer. So it's a history lesson. How, it is. It's a, it's a history, history lesson. lesson. <laughs> a silly little song. And it's a funny song. The kids will get a big kick out of it. 
uh, you can even put some science in there because if after they shoot at them, you know, they ran through the briars and they ran through the brambles and they ran through the bushes where a rabbit wouldn't go. What are briars and brambles? What are briars and brambles? They're they're like thorny, right? They're yeah, that's thorny bushes. But how many kids know that? <laughs> Actually, oh. I'm just looking. It's on YouTube. Sure, it's on it's YouTube. Singing. Yeah, and it has a. Um, it the cover is like a painting of them in the the red uniforms and the briars and the brambles and all that kind of stuff so yeah check that out on youtube but it's it's a terrific song and it really is a little bit of a history lesson that's really cool and for those of us that are that are catholic you want to take a little farther i I used to go to new orleans they had almost homeschooling conference there almost every year for 20 Mm -hmm. years i think yeah and i've been down many 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 times and uh there's a chapel to our lady of prompt succor it was in an Ursuline convent and the nuns there had this tremendous devotion to Our Lady who brought help right away, who brought help right away. And I was down there, I bought my kids a book about Our Lady of Prompt Succor and some of them got a real devotion to her. The thing is that in a time when anti-Catholicism was sort of rampant, Andrew Jackson went to the Ursuline sisters and asked for them to pray for him. Did Now, I did not know that. That's yeah. amazing. And uh, they prayed to Our Lady of Prompt Succor. They stayed up all night praying to Our Lady of Prompt Succor for her intercession for the um, for the Americans, because this is the War of 1812. We were already a nation. And he went back later and thanked them. Wow. That's, that's wow. See, that's amazing. I did not, I learned something every time I talked to this woman. <laughs> that's beautiful, though. I mean, wow. That's, yeah. That's really Isn't that beautiful. so? This is how, this is how we can do our enrichment that, like I said, we thought this was going to be all day. It's not going to be all day, but it can be enough of the day that your kids will learn about the Battle of New Orleans because they heard a silly song. Yeah. On YouTube. And then maybe you can follow up with Our Lady of Prop Succor, which is, you know, a short story, but about, really interesting things. And if you're ever in Nashville, go visit the Hermitage where Andrew Jackson lived. And so these are the things that we can do. But one final thing that we can do in our home without going to Nashville, if your kids do memorize these poems, if your kids do memorize these quotes or these parts of a Shakespearean play, let them perform them in your living room. Yes. When grandma and grandpa come over, in front, if you have a homeschool group, some homeschool groups do do this. They have like a little exhibition every. So Ours often. did, yeah. We've done that a few times, and it's it's wonderful. You invite everybody to come. It's uh, performing is really important. I think um, it helps kids be comfortable in interviews. It helps them become comfortable in public speaking. It helps. Yeah. It's it's just really a good skill to have. It is. So you know, if if we could leave you with one last thought, like by all means, let your kids learn. Don't give up the ship. But then have them say, let have let's have them say it, right? You know yeah, I mean? and it could be just that you know, just a one or two line thing if they're little and they're nervous, and you stand there with them, and just you know, just getting them comfortable with a little bit of performing is a really good life skill. It is a great life skill. It really is. Well, I think first I'd like to thank Seton Home Study School. Our sponsor, because they, yes. Yeah, they they do sponsor. We have sponsors, other sponsors, but Seton has been our primary sponsor and helped us with equipment and everything. They've been just absolutely terrific. And again, we'd like, if you could like and subscribe to our podcast, wherever it is that you hear podcasts on Spotify or wherever you get them. And, um, and just thank you word. so much. Share. For, yeah, share, share, share the word. We're hoping that we help you. And by all means, send us your comments and your ideas on our Facebook page or I don't know where else you can. I'm old. I don't know where else they can find us. <laughs> anywhere you could find us, find us. Anywhere you could share us, share us. We're delighted to have you uh, commenting and, and let everybody know. 
Thanks for joining us. God bless everyone God and bless. your families. Bye-bye.